You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So this is a remarkable day. Um, I am planning on talking about the Minnesota Vikings, which means maybe the first time in uh, podcast history, 913 episodes in, that I have said I'm going to do a thing that's multiple days, and I did it. I flippin' did it, man. I should just take the day off. Victory day off. That's what I'll do. <laughs> it's funny. Because then I, then I wouldn't have done it. Just, you know what? You make me explain it, and then the joke's not funny anymore. So thanks. I hope you're proud of yourself. Well, ladies and gents, let me start off by saying, um, if you're not in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group, if you haven't liked the Packernet Podcast Facebook page, or if you haven't... Um, subscribed to the YouTube channel, which is only surviving right now thanks to Mr. Coach Hawn, because I have done basically nothing except record myself in my car to see how it would go. It actually went pretty well. I just, I didn't like it to the extent that I'm not doing it anymore. (laughs) I don't know. We'll see. But I say all that to say that um, Mr. Hawn has sent me another video. I have not yet watched it, but I am very excited because what he's doing He's given us some insights into the Jacksonville Jaguars. Everything that I'm telling you right now, by the way, take with a grain of salt, because I'm um, I'm taking every bit of information that I can from a sentence that says, Ways Green Bay can attack Jacksonville with empty. Which makes my brain go in all kinds of crazy directions, but I'm not going to go down that direction, because number one, got to stay focused so I can actually finish what I said I was going to finish. Um, number two, I have I, again, I haven't seen it. so, But it, it does seem, I don't know. I got a lot of thoughts on it, so I should probably just shut my mouth and we can all watch it together and have a good old time. But um, I think for the sake of enticing people to go over to YouTube, despite the fact that I've been lax over there, but I, it's one of those things where I, I, there's just, YouTube has more potential than this podcast, but I don't put any energy into it. That's how dumb I am. Way more potential. It just, it, it blows up way more. Um, I mean, there's... On a day-to-day basis, if I did videos every day, there's a lot of 200, 300, 400 views, which is less than the podcast. But as we get closer to where we are now, if I do a draft video, potentially 10, 20,000 views. Which, so I want you to go over there because if I see that little spike, I'm just I'm going all in, and I'm just I'm waiting for that that big hit, big hit of of views as well as a massive hit of dopamine, which isn't as much of a party as it sounds like, but it does feel good. It's not like acid or anything. I don't think. I don't know. I've never done it. But I've had some pretty big dopamine hits. I've never seen weird colors. Never had the urge to rub marshmallows on my body. Nothing like that. So I don't know. Maybe I don't even want the dopamine hit. I mean, what is it even? What What is that? I don't even want it. Forget it. What are we talking about? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I should be able to get the, I'm probably going to have to do it on my phone because that's the biggest delay is the fact that I have this whole job thing, and I can't do it there. But maybe if I can do it all on my phone, I'll get that video up today. I want to put it up on YouTube first, because again, I want to entice you to go over there. It's Pack Daddy NFL, so go subscribe to that. And then when I've realized nobody's going to do that, I'll probably throw it up on Facebook. 
With that said, again, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you're in the Charles Woodson tier or higher. Coach Han will be doing another film session, uh, probably same day, same time, Tuesday at 6 Central. He's planning on doing that for the foreseeable future. If you're not interested in that and want to help out the podcast, you can join um, Patreon for as little as a buck a month. So please consider that. I do want to talk about the official injury report this week. There were several, I mean, the list obviously is a mile long as always. Most of it are full or limited participations. There were a couple did not practices, though. Jair Alexander, which is obviously not good, but we talked about it. Darius Shepard, which um, shouldn't be impactful, but I tend to think that it is. Uh, Zadarius, which says is not injury-related, so I guess that's good, but it's also, I mean, I, I don't know. I literally don't know what that means, so I'm not entirely sure. And uh, Rick Wagner, which isn't super great. But the fact that David Bakhtiari was full participation is very, very good news and uh, helps out in that regard. To circle back on the Darius Shepard thing, the only reason that I say that that may be more impactful is hearkening back to uh, Coach Hahn's supposed, again, I'm assuming, but if you're going empty, that means there's nobody in the backfield. If there's nobody in the backfield, then you're talking about tight ends and wide receivers. I just tend to, in my mind, assume that that means more wide receivers, but it could simply mean the, the running back splits out. I don't know. We'll, we'll wait for the video. But um, Some of the limiteds, uh, Kevin King was limited with a quadricep, Mercedes Lewis with a knee, not veteran rest for the first time ever, John Lovett, who has been injured since forever. Um, well, he's full participation, but whatever. Will Redmond limited with a shoulder, Vernon Scott limited with a shoulder, and Equinemius limited with a knee. So, On the Jacksonville Jaguars side, they've got quite a bit as well. We'll get more into the Jacksonville Jaguars and their roster because it's not just the people that are injured and may not play. There's also the guys that are just out, but that's a separate deal. Uh, Dakota Allen, linebacker, didn't practice. Doug Costin, defensive tackle, did not practice with a concussion. Tyler Eifert did not practice. Neck scheduled day off, so I'm not sure. (laughs) It was his day off anyway, so I don't know the, the status of his neck injury, but it's Tyler Eifert, so if he doesn't play, don't be surprised. Uh, Brandon Linder, offensive lineman, uh, same situation, hip injury, but also scheduled day off. Gardner Minshew, right thumb injury. Uh, he is right-handed, so there you go. He didn't practice. Uh, and then Devin Ozigbo, or Divine, I'm not sure, running back, didn't practice with a hamstring. Uh, other limiteds, thank you very much, Mr. Alarm Clock, for letting me know something that isn't relevant. Chris Claybrook, cornerback, shoulder, Kamala Korea. Man, these names. I feel like every day, whether it's a donor or a football player, i got to try to figure out names that I just... What is Kamalel? Oh, is that an I? Kamalai Kare? I don't know. It doesn't matter. He's not... He's... It doesn't matter. Josh Jones, injured with a, a chest thing. Yes, it's that Josh Jones. Uh, Andrew Norwell, limited participation. That one actually is... I mean, obviously Gardner Minshew was as well, but... Going through this list just saying, don't care, don't care, don't care. Andrew Norwell does matter. He's a starting offensive lineman and is not terrible. And then uh, LaVisca Chenault is limited. That one's pretty impactful. And then Andrew Wingard, I believe, is also a starter. I'm not positive, though. He's limited with a shoulder, or excuse me, core muscle injury. I don't know how I got missed that, mixed, mixed, mixed that up. I don't know how I got mixed, mixed that up. So there you go. In other news, I'm not going to be talking about how Aaron Rodgers said, I hope he doesn't go somewhere unless I do, because that's that's somebody trying to make a thing out of something that's not a thing. right? This, this is like, you know, online websites and people who are desperate for some kind of clickbaity thing wanting this to be a thing. There's not, I mean, it's not even interesting enough to talk about. I don't 
Who cares? First of all, he's just saying stuff. Like, yeah, I like him. Hope he doesn't go anywhere, unless I do. He said it with a big old smile, so it was kind of like a halfway joke, but also he's being serious because who knows? I mean, you do know it's possible he gets traded at some point in his career, right? Or cut or whatever. I mean, we've known that for a while. Whether it's going to happen or not, just... He knows as much as I know as much as you know. He's just saying words. It's not interesting. I suppose it's worth doubling back and mentioning how Aaron Jones was a full participant in practice. Obviously, that's going to be... um, It's a big deal. It's a big deal for this offense. He actually mentioned not too long ago that he really just... He felt great in that game, which probably is the reason that they pushed him as hard as they did. I mean, it still seems a little bit iffy, but, I mean, if he's just... If he's playing in the game and he's like, Coach, I literally feel nothing. Like, there's no problem whatsoever. It's like, all right, I guess keep playing then. I don't know. Like, it's not like a little bit stiff. Or I mean, I, I would assume, considering how, how badly the Packers put those guys away as early as they put them away, if there was even a little bit of a twinge, it would have been like, all right, cool it. But there's nothing. And then the fact that they pushed him as hard as they did and he's full participation in practice, that kind of just tells you everything you need to know. He's, he's good, good. Because you, know, you, would, you would worry, even if I was the coach and he said, I don't know, it feels fine. I would still be worried that, you know, he's going to wake up the next day and be like, dude, that was a mistake. This, this hurts. But he's good, man. He's good to go. I mean, maybe there was a little bit of that. It's Wednesday. This is from the last time they played, which was a long time ago. But, you know, he's good. Good to go. Good decision all around. I think it's also maybe worth praising. And again, I don't, I don't know the particulars. I have no idea what's going on. But we get the general impression that Matt LaFleur is holding people out that, you know, let's just say if it was the Super Bowl, they'd be playing. Um, I talked about how very important it is, not so much winning a couple rinky-dink games here and there, but keeping guys healthy toward the end of the season, how important that's going to be. Because you pretty much know you're getting into the playoffs. I mean, obviously anything can happen, but the way things are are set up right now, you're probably going to get in. Now, it's kind of cool to angle for getting that number one spot but if you miss it it's not that big of a deal again the biggest thing is get into the playoffs and since i mean half the league is getting into the playoffs and you certainly are at the top of the list meaning again very unlikely you don't get in i mean you're you're arguably the best team in the nfc with one of the easiest schedules going forward so the most important thing as i said is keeping guys healthy so let's just say matt lafleur had a decision to make we could play aaron jones against the vikings He's banged up, but he could probably go, and we might be hurting him long-term. Or we hold him out a little bit longer, because remember, this is from Sunday to Thursday. It's not that many days in between. There's a good chance that Aaron Jones probably could have maybe possibly gone. Would it have been worth trading a win against the Vikings, a game that doesn't really mean very much, but that we get Aaron Jones for the 49ers, the Jaguars, and beyond? Or should we risk injuring Aaron Jones long-term? I mean, it could... I mean, you know, soft tissue stuff, if you really crank on it, he could be done for, I mean, it's unlikely it's the rest of the season, but not impossible. The point is, being overly cautious is annoying on a week-to-week basis, because there's always going to be guys that are close that you're kind of like, probably just keep them out. But we've had ridiculously key players like Devontae, like Aaron Jones, like David Bakhtiari. These guys have been held out when they probably possibly could have gone. And for the most part, we've pulled through and won Every one of these games, with the exception of two. And then you come to games like this, where it's like Aaron Jones is just perfectly healthy. And David Bakhtiari is perfectly healthy. And Devontae Adams is perfectly healthy. And we've come through this, and we're 6-2. and two. So again, the, the losses in the moment are incredibly disappointing. And I'm not saying we can just do that every single week. Like, ah, who cares? It's just a loss. Who cares? It's just a loss. And do that like six more times. That 
No, that doesn't work. But the point is they've been doing that in our 6-2. and two. It's working. Because especially with the expansion of the playoffs, you realize that grinding and fighting extremely hard in the regular season to get into the the playoffs is less and less reasonable. Because more, it's easier to get in. It's a lower barrier to entry. So the most, I mean, j- just imagine if there was a regular season and then after the regular season there was a playoffs and everybody was in the playoffs. To be completely honest, the best thing you could do is just forfeit every single game. Because it's meaningless. And the, the, the more you expand the playoffs, the easier it is to get in, the less you should care about the regular season, which isn't a great thing for the NFL necessarily. And I'm not saying we're at that point, but it's logical. It makes sense, especially if you get off to a good start, that if you're basically, if you can pop it in neutral and still get into the playoffs, you need to take it as easy as possible. And that's going to mean maybe coming up with a couple random losses here and there, but so what? You're in this to win a Super Bowl. So you get into the playoffs and then you turn up the juice all the way. But you absolutely, for no reason whatsoever, should be pushing guys over the limit to win some random game against the Minnesota Vikings. Makes no sense. There's no rationale to it other than I don't want to lose. So again, I'm not definitively saying that's what Matt LaFleur did, but it does make a lot of sense. Anyways, that's enough of that. Why don't we take our break now and then we'll come back and uh, finish off a look at the Minnesota Vikings as far as what they've done, where they are, and a little bit into the future. Iron Jock was developed with one goal, to build the most advanced line of performance wherever created, no matter the cost. It makes me wonder as I read that how much it actually costs to make these, because I have to assume it's kind of a lot. I mean, it's kind of one of those things, if you, if you find the right people, right, I'm sure there's some kind of a fabric scientist out there somewhere, and you go through and you're like, I want something that can do this, this. It's kind of like if you want to build a website, and you just, you could pretty much do whatever you want with a website, but the crazier you get, it, you know, it's going to go quickly from like $3,000 to $50,000 to like hundred grand. Right? You start building all these custom programs and everything else that runs on it. So I would assume if you find the right people and you're like, hey, I want it to do this, 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 and this. For example, I want it to be wicking and fast drying. It has to be breathable. It has to be anti-static because that's annoying. And uh, I want it to, to eliminate odor by itself magically. Also, if you could throw in being water repellent, that'd be great. Oh, and it has to be super smooth and silky. Soft, stretchy, you know, also keeps you warm. It's just, I mean, that's that's like a just grabbing everything from the buffet. Which, by the way, look, I know why they do it, but can you guys start using bigger plates at the buffet? I'm, I'm just going to stack it higher, and that means food all over your floor. I'm not going to not grab the food, so do us both a favor. But alas, that's exactly what Iron Jock did. They found a way to take all of those great qualities and put them in their polo shirts, vests, workout shirts, sweatshirts, socks, shorts and underwear, running jackets, hoodies, and pants. And you can check all of that right now at ironjock.com. That's I-R-O-N-J-O-C.com. And if you want a closer look at their unique collection of apparel featuring silver ion technology, like them on Facebook and follow them on Twitter at Ironjock. 2020 has been a year like any other, which is why you need a sports book that's not like any other. My bookie gives you the opportunity to bet on absolutely anything. Make sure you get some skin in the game with my bookie where odds boosts, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. Whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with my bookie for years, there's no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests which they offer every single week. So make sure you sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also have added a fully-fledged casino platform with classic tables, slots, card games, Everything you'd find at a local casino. And at MyBookie, the doors never close. So head over to MyBookie.ag today. 
And when you sign up, use promo code OVERTIME. They're going to match your deposit halfway. So if you put 200 bucks down, they're going to give you $100 of free money to play with. It's winning season at my bookie, so come join in on the fun. Win some cash while you're at it. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So to be fair, um, I mean, if I wanted to be fair, I probably would have done the Vikings yesterday and the Bears today just to give respect to the fact that the Vikings are 3-5 and five and the Bears are second in the division. But if you j- just look at the fact that at my bookie right now, the Vikings are expected to beat the Bears, it kind of tells you everything you need to know. They view the Vikings as a better football team, which is shocking because, again, the roster is just not good. But since their bye week, there has clearly been a turnaround. I mean, if we look at... Their bye week, by the way, was a couple weeks ago, week seven. But for the, if you just look at the fact that they are 12th in points, 11th in yards, but 25th in points uh, against and 29th in yards against, this is a, by this account, pretty mediocre offense and a horrible defense. The first six weeks before their bye, they were averaging about 25 points a game. So far since their bye, they're averaging 31 points a game. Prior to their bye, their defense was giving up on average 32 points per game. Right now, they're averaging 21 points per game given up. That's pretty drastic. Now, granted, it was against the Packers and the Bears. The Packers had a terrible game against the Vikings, uncharacteristically horrible offense. But at the same time, the Detroit Lions only put up 20 points. That's pretty weird. I mean, it would be pretty shocking if the Vikings suddenly found out how to have a defense with no defensive players, but... They're balling out right now, and the offense is just keeping the foot on the gas. 28 points against the Packers, 34 against the Lions. So if we look based on the year, this is a, again, mediocre offense, horrible defense. But the last two weeks, that's not been the case. And so we'll see what happens against the Chicago Bears, but I feel like this is, again, and I I talked about it, I think, yesterday, this is a game that has to be heavily in the favor of the Minnesota Vikings. 
Now, you could go either way with it. You could say, well, this is a defense that could actually slow down this offense, and this offense actually is going to have some success against this defense because this is a terrible defense the Bears are going up against. But I tend to see that in reverse. I think this offense is high-powered enough that they're going to be able to get enough points that this Bears offense isn't going to be able to overcome it. Again, they're averaging 32 points. Even if we say that they're not going to get that against the Bears, okay, what are they going to get, 25, 26? The Vikings have allowed 22 points to the Packers, 20 to the Lions. How many do the Bears get? So if they beat the Bears, they go to 4-5. and five. Then they got the Cowboys. That should put them at 5-5. Five and five. Then they got the Panthers and the Jaguars. I think they easily get 1-1 one and one out of that, possibly 2-0. and oh, But let's say they lose to the Panthers, beat the Jaguars. They're 6-6. Six and 6-7 six. Six and seven after Tampa. 7-7 seven and seven after the Bears. Then they got Saints and Lions. I mean, that's, they're, they're solidly an 8-8 eight and eight team. It's possible if they really hit the gas, they can get to 9 or possibly even 10 wins. 11 is the best if they, they just win out, but I really doubt that. And I tend to think that, you know, things are so bad that there has to be an implosion at some point. But I think the larger point is they're not always going to be in this situation, meaning things being quite as negative as they are. Some of the struggles the Vikings have are um, short-term issues. For example, Daniil Hunter is clearly their number one pass rusher. He's not here. When he comes back, this defense obviously is going to get a lot better. They will finally have somebody that can rush the passer. They also brought in Michael Pierce, who decided to sit out this year because of COVID. He will be back next year. That's two guys along the defensive line. If you look at their secondary, Jeff Gladney, he's not been all that great. This is his rookie year. He got thrown into this thing. He had his best game of the season against Detroit. Had to be one of the highest graded guys that entire week. He had a great day. Now, there's no reason to believe he's going to necessarily sustain that, and maybe he's going to be a terrible corner going forward. I don't know. But Jeff Gladney is a rookie. The other um, starting corner, Cam Dantzler, is a rookie, third-round rookie. He hasn't had a good game yet this year, but again, 22 years old. He's, it's his first year. Holton Hill is their number three guy. He's already surpassed his snap count from 2019 because he's being thrust into this thing. Another guy that's been terrible this year, but he was an undrafted free agent in 2018. Doesn't have a whole lot of experience. Then there's Mike Hughes, another first-round pick. He was also from 2018. Again, not a very good cornerback. Wasn't in 2018, wasn't in 2019, hasn't been in 2020. But the, the point of this is you got at least four guys that are relatively young and completely inexperienced. And if you assume that at least one of these guys has to take a step at some point, you've got a top-end pass rusher that's coming back, a talented defensive tackle that's coming back, and you're going to have growth from the corners on top of having really solid safeties. And, and, you know, they obviously expect a lot from their linebackers. I don't know if this defense gets back to peak performance, but without even adding a single piece, which they're going to do, they're going to continue to add to this team, whether it be through free agency or the draft, especially now that they have a relatively high pick, which means not just a high first-round pick, but high first, high second, high third, high fourth, etc. They actually have three fourth-round picks this year, which is going to be impactful, two fifth-round picks. They've already got an elite wide receiver duo. They've got a solid quarterback, despite nobody wanting to admit it. They've got a top-end running back. So what do they need? They're going to stack up this defense. They're going to add a couple you know, mid-round interior offensive linemen. Maybe they'll grab a tackle early. But otherwise, they're just going to keep stacking defense. Linebackers, defensive tackles, edge rushers. Fortunately, this is a very heavy offensive year. So for a team that's looking to you know, build up maybe that defensive line, best of luck to you. Not saying it's impossible, but there's like two (laughs) in the whole first round. There's some corners, but I don't know if they want to take another swing at corner. They've already got two first round corners on there and a third round guy. But the point is, 
of all the teams going forward that I'm afraid of, the Vikings are clearly at the top of that list because they've done a pretty poor job of, of managing things, especially the cap, in my opinion. And I do think the clock is kind of ticking a little bit because, I mean, if we look at the guys that are considered core pieces, especially, or, you know, at least on the defense, Eric Hendricks is already going on 29 years old. Harrison Smith, top end safety, is going on 32 years old. Uh, Anthony Harris is 29 years old. Anthony Barr is almost 29 years old. Not that Anthony Barr is any good at anything, but they seem to like him a lot. On the offensive side, you got Adam Thielen, who's 30. Kirk Cousins is 32. Riley Reef is 32. Kyle Rudolph is 31 years old. So there's a, a, a little bit of urgency because you're getting to that point, and, and that's one of the critiques I've had of the Vikings is not only are the, do I think they're overpaying guys, but they're paying guys that are kind of up in age. They're, they're, they're really focused on keeping core pieces, which works to their advantage, but at some point there's going to be a mass exodus of players. Right? You're going to see every year two, three, four guys leaving. Adam Thielen isn't going to be around much longer. Kyle Rudolph isn't going to be around much longer. Kirk Cousins can play as long as, as they want, but Vikings fans seem to really want to push him out. Riley Reef, I don't think he's the most loved guy in Minnesota, but he's not going to be around very much longer. For a team already struggling with offensive line play, that's not great. And that's strictly an age thing. You've got contracts coming up of guys that aren't maybe necessarily super old, but it's a question of are you going to bring them back. Tajay Sharp and Chad Beebe, this is their last year. Sean Mannion, are you going to pay him? Amir Abdullah and Mike Boone. Dakota Dozier, Pat Elfleen, and Rashad Hill, all offensive linemen. And then you got both of your tackles, Brian O'Neill and Riley Reef. Again, this is their last year. I'm assuming you play pay O'Neill because you need somebody along this offensive line that's somewhat competent. Not that you love the guy, but he's better than nothing. And he's only 25. But again, Riley Reef, again, this is his, um, I mean, next year is his last year. Yeah. So he'll be playing at age 30. I mean, he's done after next year. Then you look at the fact that uh, on the defensive side of the ball, Efedi Odenigbo, currently your best pass rusher, along with Jaleel Johnson and Hercules Mata'afa, they're free agents after this year. Who of those guys are you paying? And how much, right? I mean, I'm guessing you like Odenigbo, but how much are you going to pay the guy? Jaleel Johnson's only 26. I'm assuming you want to pay him, but you're not getting much from him. Hercules Mata'afa is only 25 years old. So it's it's a tough situation. You, you want to have players around, um, and then, you know, after this year, Shamar Stefan and Jalen Holmes, they're free agents after next year. Uh, linebackers Todd Davis and Eric Wilson are done after this year. Hardy Nickerson is done after this year. That's three of your, what, seven linebackers. Of the guys that are remaining, only, you know, only three of them are relatively young, and I don't know if any of them are contributors, Troy Dye, Cam Smith, and Ryan Conley. So again, the, the, the big issue that I'm seeing is all the talent is really old with the exception of, you know, Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson, I guess, and Daniil when he comes back. Even next year when he comes back, he'll be 27 years old. He's relatively young. But again, everybody else, everybody else that's a contributor, Adam Thielen is old, Kirk Cousins is old, Kyle Rudolph is old, Riley Reef is old, Eric Hendricks and Anthony Barr are getting old, Anthony Harris, Harrison Smith. By the way, the safeties, Anthony Harris, Curtis Riley, and George Iloka are all free agents after this year. I thought Anthony Harris just got paid. Maybe not. I don't know. Must have been thinking of somebody else. But I'm assuming they're gonna they're gonna extend the guy. But what you gotta assume is that Harrison Smith is gonna be not getting an extension. Meaning he's gonna play next year and that'll be his last year. He'll be thirty two years old. I don't think they're gonna pay him beyond that. That's a that's a major part of this defense. So the biggest thing for the Vikings is they need the younger guys to step up. They need all these first round, third round, whatever cornerbacks to to, to start taking some steps. You need some of the younger linebackers like Troy Dye and Cam Smith to really step up. 
Because right now the Vikings are getting into this really vicious cycle where the only talent they have are the guys that they're paying. They're not drafting a whole lot of top-end talent. I mean, obviously Justin Jefferson was a, was a huge hit. That's awesome. But what else are they getting out of their draft picks? I mean, it's early. Again, I mean, it's, it's, it's no different than with the Packers. There's a lot of picks that it's like these guys need to step. I mean, that's every team. The point is, though, guys have not really stepped up. I mean, they had a ton of picks last year. They had 15 guys they picked. And the year before that, they had 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 12. I mean, they, they get a ton of picks every year, but at some point, you got to get a hit. Justin Jefferson was a good pick. Jeff Gladney, nothing. Ezra Cleveland, nothing. Cam Dantzler, nothing. Uh, DJ Wonham, nothing. James Lynch, Troy Dye, Harrison Hand, KJ Osborne, right? I mean, I, I don't think any of these guys have contributed. I mean, in, in a positive way. Again, they're, they're rookies. Okay, fine. Garrett Bradbury. He's one of those guys that you, you kind of like and you kind of hate. He's got the athleticism. He's got the high upside. I mean, he's, he's like the Rashawn Gary pick for the Viking. He's got the high-end upside, the athleticism. He makes some blocks down the field that are incredible, right? When we talk about trying to reach some of these super athletic linebackers, it takes a high-end, a, a, a real big amount of speed and whatnot and getting out on some of these screens and everything. He does all that. He can do that stuff. But he's also been a terrible center. I mean, this year so far, he has a 53.4 pass blocking grade, and that's a massive upgrade over what he was last year. So you like that fact that he's progressing, and if he can ever get even better at what he's doing, cool. But you look at that and you say, that's a first-round pick, dude? That kind of sucks. Especially when you expend a first-round pick on a center. You better be really good, because nobody wants to spend a first-round pick on a center. They did. And so far, I don't think it's panned out. I mean, he does what they want him to do. So scheme-wise, he's been great. I'm sure they're not super upset with it. But I also think they would want better production from their first-round pick. Irv Smith, right? A lot of hype about that guy. He's, he's kind of been okay here and there, but not, a, not as much as you would have expected. right? You would have thought that he would have taken over for, uh, for Kyle Rudolph a long time ago. I don't think he has. He hasn't outpaced him in terms of snaps. He's not graded higher. He's just, he's not what they had hoped thus far. Alexander Madison, the running back, has been fine, but, you know, it's kind of a nothing pick because, I mean, he only comes in in case of emergency, you know, break glass in case of emergency. Uh, Drew Samia is currently the lowest graded player on the entire team, so that hasn't really panned out super well. Cam Smith, the linebacker, Armin Watts, defensive tackle, just down the line. So they have to start drafting better. They have to start getting some hits. All right, Mike Hughes, another first-round corner, has done nothing. Brian O'Neill, the tackle, he's come along. Brian O'Neill is exactly what they need from their guys, right? First year wasn't great. Second year was a little bit better. Third year, it's like, all right, I think he's got it now. Now, don't be confused. I'm not rooting for them. I'm just explaining. I'm, I'm looking at things from a Viking standpoint in terms of what they need. What they need is a better draft and develop strategy. By that, I simply mean you need to draft guys that aren't terrible at football, especially when you're taking 15 swings. I mean, come on, man. 15 swings and the only guy that's any good is the first guy you picked? We'll see, because it's... It almost kind of reminds me of the Bears a little bit, because I remember saying this with them, where on one hand, things are, are really starting to deteriorate, and on the other hand, there's a potential to really... There, there's a small window, and they obviously missed that window by kind of a lot. Things deteriorated much more rapidly than they were able to figure things out. And it was scary for a while, because when they went out and got Nick Foles, it's like, man, if they can hang on, if this offensive line can hang on, if this defense can hang on, and if Nick Foles can come in and be a really solid game manager, this can be a really good team. Unfortunately, the offensive line just completely went out the window. I mean, just fell apart entirely. Nick Foles has been terrible, probably largely because of this offensive line, but, you know, whatever. They've gotten no growth from any of their wide receivers, which was another thing that would have been nice. You want the running back, you know, if you're a Bears fan, I guess. 
to take a giant step. And although he's grading out well, he's obviously not taking the league by storm. So they missed the window, right? It, it closed on Nick Foles' face. And so we'll have to see which way it goes. Because again, you're looking at a, at a team in which, man, if, if things were different, right? If, if we had drafted these corners two years ago, which again, kind of goes to the point of why you don't just draft for need because then you're always drafting too late. You wait until it becomes a problem and then you draft and then you have to wait for them to get better at their craft. By the time they're better, you got a bunch of other needs that you got to fill. So then you draft for those, but you're not actually fixing it because it takes time for these guys to grow. But you think about the Vikings and you think, man, if they had if they had, had these corners ready to go and if Hunter was ready to go and if Pierce, I mean, if it wasn't for COVID and if it wasn't for Hunter getting hurt and if these guys were a little bit further along, this would be a very good football team. But that's not where we're at. We've got really bad corners. We have no defensive line. Everybody's getting old. And next year, everybody gets older. It's cool we got Hunter back. It's cool we get Pierce back, but Pierce is getting old. And he just took a whole year off. Last year, he was 27. He had his first really big down year. His 28, you know, his, his year this year at 28 years old, he took the whole year off. He's going to be 29 years old yesterday, or yesterday, next year. Brain is done. Need to be done with this. He'll be 29 years old, trying to revive what he was when he was 26 the last time he was a really good defensive tackle. In his first year with the Minnesota Vikings, which is a different team, different scheme, different whatever. And Daniil Hunter taking an entire year off, trying to recover from injury. You just wonder which way it's going to go. And it's really unfortunate as a Vikings fan because there's clearly something special here if it just wasn't for everything collapsing all at once. And you're seeing a team that, despite having nothing but a quarterback and two wide receivers, I mean, that's, that's it. The defense is trash. The offensive line is garbage. The tight ends are mediocre. So, I mean, and add in a running back. A running back, a quarterback, and two wide receivers. And they're 2-0 coming out of the bye with, you know, scoring 32 points a game on offense, allowing 21 points a game on defense, ready to take the league by storm, but it's already too late. And the only thing you're doing now is hurting your draft position. And yeah, although it's possible for you to get into the playoffs, again, I still think there's an implosion coming because you can't maintain this with the personnel that you have. This defense is going to get exposed, or, you know, it already has been exposed. It's going to get exploited. You're not going to have a Packers collapse or, you know, a Lions game playing like the Lions every single week. You're going to have an offense come in and just rip you to shreds. And even if you limp into the playoffs because you play well enough, you're going to get annihilated. You're not going to win a Super Bowl this year. You can't do it. You don't have the personnel. This is going to be the ultimate, you know, smack in the mouth if the Vikings end up somehow winning a Super Bowl. But, you know, I mean, it's it's going to be a bad enough day that this is going to be the, the least of my problems at that point. So that's it. It's kind of an interesting thing, but but the, I think the path is clear for the Vikings. But it's not all that clear for a lot of other teams. I think the biggest thing, if I'm the Vikings, that I want to do is make sure that we have replacements in place for the guys that are going to be leaving soon. You have to draft a safety at some point. You have to get another tackle. you got to build up the defensive line. we got to kind of see how things go, right? Corner is a problem, but we've got guys in place. They just have to step up. We've invested a lot in that position. you got to just step up. We've got wide receiver. we got quarterback. We've got tight end. We've got running back. The offensive line isn't great, needs improvement, but it's working well enough that our offense can roll with it. We just have to kind of backfill. The team works. Let's find another pass rusher. Let's build out the, off- uh, the defensive line because that's kind of our core. We'll see how Cam Smith and Troy Dye evolve. We've got a couple years left with Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr, although it's not a great situation. It's good enough. And they can kind of coach up the guys we have. But I still think we should try to figure out somebody in that spot. And we can just keep this thing rolling. I know a lot of people want to look at quarterback. I'm just not interested. Kirk Cousins is is working. And he's going to be here until 2023 unless we move on. That's not my number one priority. 
But from our standpoint as Packer fans, the only thing that matters is things have fallen apart for them this year. And there's a very clear path to this team just continuing to implode, again, similar to what the Bears did. If they can't do a better job drafting, guys, are, the team just gets worse every year. Because the entire team gets older by a year. And that's true for everybody. But if you're not finding replacements in the draft, you're getting worse every single year. And we're already seeing guys like Kendricks not playing as well. Anthony Harris, Harrison Smith, Anthony Barr has completely fallen off a cliff. You're going to start to see regression from guys like Adam Thielen. And no, that's not true of every... I mean, I've, I've talked about it before. Look at the youth for the Green Bay Packers. I mean, the defense, some of the older guys are like Amos and Zadarius, who are, what, 27, 28? Those are the old guys. So yeah, I mean, we still have to backfill. That's still part of the equation. You still have to draft well. But it's 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 a team that's been built entirely different. Jair is a core guy. He's extremely young. Savage is extremely young. Again, Amos is old, and he's like 28. He can play three, four more years if we want him to. So for the Packers, it's not that big of an issue. It's really just a matter of, you know, trying to win in the Aaron Rodgers window. You got to keep backfilling, but you also need to find those those real big issues and fix them so that we can be a genuine Super Bowl contender, which we are right now. But you also worry about some of the issues. And I, you know, we're not talking about the Packers today, but it's a weird thing to say on a Packers podcast. We're not breaking down how we move forward. Um, but it, but it is kind of an interesting question because again, I. I feel like we have the pieces, and if we say we don't have the pieces, then we have to start over on defense, and I don't even want to say that. Savage, Amos, Jair, Zadarius, Rashawn, Kenny, I feel like we have the guys. Kiki's stepping up, Montrevious is even starting to take a step. We've got some interesting linebackers, you know, we haven't, I mean, they're not grading out well, but they're clearly bringing a different energy. They're tackling well, which it sounds like a really lame thing to brag about, but it, it definitely brings a different tone. One of the worst things and one of the most demoralizing things is a guy breaking a big run because he broke seven tackles. Even if a guy gets a seven-yard run, but the first guy that sees him hits him right in the chest and knocks him straight back, I think that gives a defense a boost. It's a physical... You want your defense to be physical, and we've been seeing that recently. But again, I mean, just, just looking over the landscape of the NFC North... The Packers not only are the best team, they, they've got the brightest future. By far, I mean, every single one of these three teams is on the verge of, you know, the Vikings maybe aren't exactly tear down and rebuild, but they're kind of close. Because again, when, when all your biggest contributors are basically getting into their 30s or are in their 30s, that's a that's a dangerous game, and you got to start hitting in the draft quickly. The Lions are just kind of a scattered mess. Got a couple guys you like, but I don't really know, and we're probably going to be firing our head coach and GM, so it's kind of like we need, just need to blow this thing up. Right, I mean, what what on the Lions team do you just love? Nothing. It's a mishmash of just, ugh. Offensive line is good, it's fine, but who cares? I mean, you're basically rebuilding a team around Kenny Galladay. Again, it's it's not the worst spot to be in. You you go out and find somebody. Here's here's what I think. I think the Lions, and I, let's just, you know, we're basically done with the Vikings. Let's just kind of do an overall recap. If I'm the Lions, I'm going to follow in the footsteps of what the Arizona Cardinals did, as dumb as that seems, because I didn't really like what they did. But I'm going to shoot for drafting Justin Herbert. And I'm going to get more of a modern, possibly college-style coach. I know that's kind of a risky proposition, but hey, you're the Lions. Why not? Who cares? But you, you kind of get this... This quarterback, I don't know if I said Justin Herbert, but if I did, I didn't mean that. I, I was picturing him. I'm talking about Trey Lance. I'm shooting for Trey Lance. Because that would be, if nothing else, it's going to be devastating to the Packers. And I don't know if we ever beat the Lions ever again with, <laughs> with Trey Lance. Because, again, the guy runs for about as many yards as he throws for. He's got a great arm, unbelievably fast, and you, you just you get a guy that's going to be running this 
again, sort of a kind of a Lamar Jackson kind of a deal where you don't know if it's going to be a run play, a pass play, or a quarterback run play, which is a separate thing, right? If he's going to hand off to somebody, you don't know if the quarterback's going to keep it and run, keep it and throw, or hand it to the running back. You got to account for all that stuff, and that's problematic. I think I'm going that direction. And then you still got Kenny Galladay. You still got a decent offensive line you're putting him behind. Defense, I don't know. We'll figure it out. I mean, it's not. It's basically a blank canvas. Who cares about any of these guys? If you're the Bears, you're in just, I feel like they're probably in the worst possible spot because the offensive line is horrible, which is true for the Vikings as well, but it's not as bad. It doesn't seem to be getting worse. If anything, it's getting better. The only bright spot on this entire offense that I'm aware of is Allen Robinson, who's probably going to be gone after this year. So we want a new quarterback who we're going to have a hard time getting because we're winning too many games. We're going to put him behind a terrible offensive line with no wide receiver weapons, a running back that's talented but can't really go anywhere because the offensive line is horrible. And on the other side, we've got a defense that, I mean, basically was built by Vic Fangio, who's gone. And, um, you know, Akeem Hicks, I, I went over it already, but Roy Robertson-Harris, Mario Edwards, John Jenkins, Brent Urban, Akeem Hicks, Blau Nichols, Barcavius Mingo, all these guys are either done this year or next year. I've said it before, this is a defense that is basically just Khalil Mack, and he's 29 years old. I mean, he's signed through 2025, but again, things are going to start to deteriorate. That's just the way it goes. I mean, he's, he's such a freak that he's probably going to be really good, you know, into his 30s. But it's going to be a slow regression. And as guys continue to leave and we go out and get a new coach who's going to want to get a new defensive coordinator, you know, I, Bears fans love Kyle Fuller, but I'm telling you, he's not that good. He's 28. He's, he's next year's his last year. Buster Screen's last year's next year. You got Artie Burns, Sherrick McManus, DeAndre Houston Carson, Tashawn Gibson, Deion Bush. All those guys are done after this year. I mean, we, we have to rebuild everything. We're building an entire team around Khalil Mack at this point. What? It, where do you even begin with this? I mean, we, we have to get a new coach, right? As much as I thought that that was a good hire and in the first year everything seemed good. I mean, if you're an offensive guru and this is your offense, I granted, Trubisky didn't pan out all that much, but that was also kind of your job. I didn't like the strategy of just paying all these low-end wide receivers and we gave away all our... I, this is a team that I thought drafted well and they gave away all their draft picks. It's just, it's the biggest mess in the entire division, in my opinion. Because again, even if I'm the Lions, I look at this and I say, man, you can see this thing getting turned around. If we can just finally hit on a good coach, finally get us a talented coach that knows what he's doing, a GM that isn't terrible. I'm looking for Dorsey. I know people don't like Dorsey. I don't care. Give me a guy that knows how to draft well. John Dorsey drafted Patrick Mahomes. Then he drafted Baker Mayfield. Whether you like Baker or not, I mean, it's he's given the amount of guys in both of these classes that were absolute jokes, he picked out a couple of actually talented quarterbacks. He also had several other really good draft picks. Maybe he's not very good with the cap. Maybe he's an absolute horrible person to be around. I don't care. We're the Detroit Lions. But again, you can see a path in which if we just get a good coach and some good players, we can be a good football team. The Bears, I can't say that. I don't know what to do with this team. And again, the Vikings are teetering. If we can get all the guys back and certain guys grow, and we can get a couple of these picks to hit, not just new picks, but some of the the picks that we've had, the, you know, geez, 15 plus what, 12, 27 picks in the last two years. If a couple of those guys can step up, we've got a good football team. But if they don't hit, and if we don't start drafting well, and guys just continue to get old and leave, this is going to be a nightmare franchise. And the, again, the Packers are the brightest spot on all of this because they've got a talented team that is also a very young team, and they're just going to continue to add in the draft. And, you know, if, if you miss, fine. We've got young guys that aren't going anywhere anyways. And if we hit, great, there's another piece. And in the meantime, we're just locking up guys like Kenny. We're probably going to lock up Bakhtiari pretty soon. Aside from that, I, I mean, it's just, 
you know, I'm not going to cry if guys don't stick around. I'd love to pay Aaron Jones. I don't know if that's feasible. Corey Lindsley would be great, but, you know, it's not 100% necessary. I mean, if teams like the Vikings can get by with not having a center and, you know, <laughs> the Seahawks get by without having any kind of offensive line, I mean, I think we'll manage. Can draft one in the fourth round, probably be able to fill in okay. Obviously, there's fear about what happens when Aaron Rodgers leaves, but I mean, that's every team. I mean, you know, the Vikings have to wonder about a quarterback. The Bears are worried about a quarterback. The Lions are worried about a quarterback. Everybody has to worry about a quarterback at some point. Not everybody gets to be the Chiefs where you got Pat Mahomes for 55 more years. We have time, and that's actually one of the benefits of getting a quarterback as early as we did. We're essentially giving ourselves multiple swings at this. If he's the guy, then we got a guy. Congratulations. If he's not, we're going to find out. We're going to be able to take two swings at this thing. That's not ideal, but as something as important as finding the next Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, whatever, I'm okay taking a couple first-round swings at it. Especially if a guy like Love falls into your lap at the end of the first, you kind of got to take a swing at that. Because if you're a good team, you're not going to get very many swings at guys with as much upside as Jordan Love has. So let's put him on the bench. Let's run him through the motions. Let's see if we can get this guy up to speed to be the next Matt LaFleur quarterback. And he seems like he can be. And again, if he's not, fine, we'll take another swing. It's important. It's worth it. Just do it. Because again, we're not planning on tanking anytime soon. We're trying to win a Super Bowl. And and we're doing way too good of a job to expect a top five pick to get the next great, you know, Justin Fields. It's not going to happen. What we want is a Pat Mahomes. We're at the back of the draft. We trade up for that one guy that fell through the, the flurry. A guy that has a lot of upside, but has a lot of big question marks that some guys in the draft community hate. We're going to trade up, we're going to grab him, and we'll see what happens. Not saying he's Pat Mahomes. I'm saying that's what you need when you're not drafting top five. Get the high upside guys, you trade up for them, you lock them up, you see what you got. But anyways, that's kind of where the NFC North stands, in my opinion. I mean, again, we all know what the record is. We all know the Packers are number one, and that's probably not going to change unless we completely fall apart. But moving forward, that's kind of how I see things. The Vikings are iffy. The Lions, I mean, there's a lot of potential there, but I don't really trust them to make good decisions, and the Bears are kind of a mess. If they're able to turn this thing around quickly, I'm going to be shocked. So, anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, Starting tomorrow, we'll turn our attention to the upcoming game. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Thursday. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.